Welcome to Sisters of the Apocalypse. This podcast is hosted by sisters, surviving in this crazy world and just trying to keep a sense of humor along the way. Listen to three witty women who grew up in the same house, share their ideas, inspirations, and experiences. The Sisters of the Apocalypse will share the ups, downs, and everything in between when it comes to life as a millennial woman in today's world. Relatable and enjoyable until the very end. Hello and welcome to Sisters of the Apocalypse. I am Jennifer and I am here today with my sisters, Liz and Christine. And today we are going to talk about the science of birth order. And so just to kick it off, birth order has been used to predict success, prosperity, and the future of a child. But does it really affect who you are and what you're going to do in life? Alfred Adler first developed birth order theory in the 20th century. And so the theory basically claims that the order in which a child is born will shape their development and then their personality. Um, and so he also credits family, community, social hierarchy aspects as well as having a, an effect on the child. But he's attributing a lot of the personality traits to when that child was born in the family. So one thing that I read is he said that psychological birth order was important, which means if you're perceived, it's your perceived position in the family is also key. So not only the numerical, 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 <laughs> numerical order, but also, yeah, your psychological order. Yeah, I read that as well because it said like if there's a family where one of the children might have like a health condition that makes them, you know, not as you know, able to participate in the family. They kind of take on the youngest child and everyone spoils them while the actual youngest child might have to take on a different role in the family because mm -hmm. of that situation. Hmm. That makes sense. So there's a lot of assumptions around, you know, what these stereotypes are. And we laugh at them sometimes because some of them are seem kind of true and some of them don't. So, for example, I'm the oldest, and some of the things they've said about the oldest child is they are per perfectionists, and they want to get things right the first time, almost to the point that they don't want to try new things. And I know I'm guilty of that, for sure. <laughs> also, when they're born, since they're the oldest, they get lots of attention from their parents, and their parents are extra careful with them as far as, like, not getting injured or not getting in any sort of, like, bad situation. Like, they don't have the bumps and bruises that a younger child might have. Also, the parents tend to expect a lot from the oldest. And then as the oldest child grows up, they tend to develop um, and show leadership skills. So that's certainly true of me. <laughs> a natural born leader is humble on that list. Uh, there's nothing that's as humble on this list. <laughs> yeah, when I was reading about oldest children tend to be authoritarian, <laughs> feel entitled to power, leadership positions, goal-oriented, outspoken, independent, reliable. So a lot of good things. Yeah. Some not so things. great things, though. Let's <laughs> not overlook those. Controlling, cautious, stubborn. So both sides are accurate. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's see. That makes sense. What about middle children? Yeah. What makes a middle child? So scientifically and personally, middle children are the best. <laughs> so some interesting things that I read about 
well, first off, is the middle child syndrome, which is the cliche, but it's from the Aldarian's birth order theory. And some things that I read about are that secondborn children are known for going in the opposite direction from the firstborn in the family. I'm sorry. I got really warm. I'm really sorry. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) okay. So you're a contrarian. Oh, I've never said a word. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, Competitive and middle children are less likely to be spoiled and therefore they tend to be less frustrated and demanding in life. (laughs) Also, middle children are the most secretive. So we are most likely to be in the FBI. <laughs> Did you make that up? Is that true? <laughs> the secretive part was true. The FBI part was just a little sugar on top. Um, when I was reading about middle children, the very first thing it says is that they're peacekeepers. And I was like, is that true? <laughs> Peacekeeper? <laughs> I don't know. I never thought about it I, before. I'm trying to remember what we were all like as kids. Yeah. Because this is when these factors would be the strongest yeah i mean right now it doesn't really matter that mom doesn't give me a curfew like she did you like yeah. it doesn't really impact That's our lives already done. <laughs> but when we were like little kids i mean i could definitely see all these things because when you were the first person to go to high school to go to college like to do all these big things mm-hmm. and you had to be secretive because you had nosy older sisters and younger sisters oh, so, oh. so you had to be like I gotta guard all my stuff yeah and then I did that by leaving it all over the floor of my bedroom oh sure hide <laughs> it in plain sight <laughs> yes I did also read that middle children are super agreeable and open to experiences unlike the oldest children who want to just be perfect at everything they try hmm. uh great negotiator generous creative competitive funny I think all these are true Competitive is certainly true. Competitive, <laughs> yeah, it is. That is, I am, yeah, fully agree with that. Well, and you were, I mean, you were a youngest child for a few years. I don't remember it, but it, yeah, it, it wasn't maybe not affected you. It might have, but that you can say that about everyone because Christine was sure. the youngest for a year and a half. <laughs> she was also an only child. Well, but the example of the competitive one, you know, the as a middle child or younger child mom talks about how you learned how to ride a bike before me yeah and I was so Ooh. pissed I was like yeah. probably like five or whatever and yeah. I was like gosh darn it now I have to go learn how to ride a bike yes because I didn't want to try it because I didn't want to you know I want to be immediately good at it yeah. mm-hmm. uh, okay so up. that specific scenario feeds into the youngest children who I mean you save the best for last like we just bring the joy and the energy back into the household because everyone over here is like competitive and full of leadership skills and just it seems it sounds really serious. So the youngest child is fun loving, attention seeking, they're known to be pretty outgoing, charismatic, but also we've had to be those things to get any attention. No. Yes. <laughs> so to stand out in the family, you had to be that much louder. Oh and I gosh. was loud. You were loud. And I will be loud again. Okay. Oh, um, so, but also they talk about that they have this real search for originality because everything has been done. Everyone's already learned how to ride a bike. Everyone's already gone to all these things. And so there's oftentimes there's like less of a celebration when you do it because it's not new. 
it's all been happening before. It might be new for you, but it's not new for the family. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so then that can also kind of lead into, we can be known as manipulative. Oh, uh, a little self-centered. You can feel like there's like this, the benefit of being kind of laissez-faire about life, but also that nothing that you do is important. So it has like that downside feeling of like, maybe I don't have like as much of a presence or an impact, but let's just stick with the fact that I'm like funny and just like naturally charming and like people naturally like youngest children and the youngest are most often comedians. Oh, that's neat. That's funny because when I was reading about youngest children, they kind of said that, you know, when that child comes into the family, they kind of take, there's two paths and it's like, they excel in every way. Or do they go into this avoidant, I'll show you kind of uh, attitude? And I'm rebellious. Yeah. And I can see both aspects of that in your personality. I think in your younger life, you are definitely in Excel. You are very, very intent about being the best at everything you did. Mm -hmm. And then now you're in the I'll show you category of your life. (laughs) where which I love I'm not sure what I'll show you but I'll show you it's an era it's an era I love that it just took me some time you know yeah to get get into those traits well I think that you said it well when when we were kind of going through it and it's you know Christine's the oldest the firstborn children I'll say more generalized firstborn children figuring things out secondborn children kind of what was the word you used split and go the opposite direction contrarian yeah the contrarian the very literal aspect of that is that growing up, Christine was, it is still incredibly artistic. And so we would go to art classes and I would come back with like a stick figure elephant and Christine would have like, oh, I don't even know how to describe it. Like this huge, beautiful, well-shaded picture. And it was just like no comparison. And so very quickly I was like, art's not for me. So I'm going to go the opposite way because I can't compete with the level that she's performing and it wasn't even I mean for us it wasn't a level of like you're five years older than me so you we're a year and a half apart Mm -hmm. so it's not a ton of space Mm -hmm. but I'll say okay she's got art I can't compete there so I'm gonna go the other way towards sports and that's kind of what we did and then when it came to Jenny you saying okay well art's taken sports taken what's left and then trying to kind of find that like unique path for yourself yeah yeah for sure your area stand out which was uh what? jump rope yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and like school yeah let's say it wasn't school. athletics <laughs> I was gonna say like reading like, oh writing sure too. yeah but, I mean academics like yeah. I think I took that in it just came really naturally to yeah. me to to go for that I think yeah I was just like, wow, it was subtle. It did. I don't know. It was so natural. I swear, school just didn't feel very difficult. Yeah. And so well, I continued yeah. ramping it up more and more and more. You know, I swear she was like a kindergartner who they were like, yeah, she's run out of books in the library. Oh. Or she was like reading like sixth grade level books at that age. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it's astonishing to like look back on it. And like, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah, I remember that we had to take a test and it was like, what level of reading were you at? And I was in elementary school and I was reading at like high school level. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And at now at the time, now I'm like, oh my gosh. But at the time I was like, I'm just really bored. Yeah. Could you bring me a book? <laughs> um, I'll take Moby Dick, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, something about my personality that hasn't changed. I still read a lot. And that's still yeah. really important to me. But now I'm just all about, what is it? Proving people wrong. Oh, I'll show you. I'll show you. (laughs) 
just like great people around. Yeah. A couple other interesting things that I found when we were reading about, you know, for birth order was that as well, you know, birth order, some people could perceive it as an important factor, but actually confidence is one of the most important factors in developing your personality. And so that I think also plays into, you know, how much tension you got when you were a kid and your relationship with your siblings. I did read that when you're a twin, these rules don't apply. So that it's kind of like a, a different dynamic. And then also this one I really, really loved. Later born children are at higher risk of accidents due to avoidable injuries because their parents aren't watching as carefully. <laughs> Oh my gosh. What I can't believe they just called it out like that. Well, I added that. Wow. Oh yeah, I mean. They're like, let's wrap the first kid in bubble wrap. Yeah. The second one, we'll, we'll try. And then the third one, they're like, she's it's fine. fine. <laughs> well, mom used to say all the time that she never let me hit the ground when I was learning to walk. Oh, like, can you imagine? I do. No wonder I'm spoiled. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that Jenny, you said like a stereotype of the youngest born is like attention seeking. The youngest born gets all the attention. You're like a fun new toy. You're small, you're cute. Christine and I were in like that awkward phase of like, they're not so little and cute anymore. Now they're just kind of annoying. Oh, here's a baby though. Everybody loves babies. I mean, that lasts for a while, but then I don't know. You guys are doing things that I don't get to participate in. Yeah. You guys are in such a like a different stage of life mm-hmm. that and even because of like your similar age, I remember getting Christmas gifts where Liz would get a purple version of something, Christine would get the pink version, and I would get something completely different because yeah. I couldn't even be yeah. up there with you guys and I don't know if I wanted it, but like I remember when you guys started wearing makeup and I mean you're you know, I got to spend, I was, I spent so much time with you, but you were going through so many other experiences that I wanted to be a part of. I wanted to be able to relate to it. And so I felt like I wanted to age up. I wanted yeah. to, to be were, there with you guys because you were having so much fun. Yeah. Like, I think that's interesting because I would say that Christine growing up and our mom would probably agree, like you were very eager to like grow up mm-hmm. and like yeah. wear makeup do all the things, go all the places. And then Jenny, as the youngest by, you know, four or five years, you were wanting to play catch up to be doing the same things we were doing. I don't necessarily remember myself being like, hurry up onto the next thing. I feel like I was like more complacent in like whatever stage I was in at that point. Maybe naively so where I wasn't planning for what was coming next, but I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, there's goods, goods and bads of living in the moment, you know, but I remember, like, I remember very specifically, I was one of the only kids in middle school that had a Facebook Mm. and it was so that I could talk to both of you in college. Oh, that's funny. And that you guys had like set me up with one, but no one else had a Facebook. Yeah. Oh, that's Um, interesting. But, and I just, I think about, there was like such significant parts of my life that I was there for yours and you weren't there for mine. And it's so weird because I mean, by that time we were living in a different home. So we weren't living in like our childhood home, Mm -hmm. like when I was in high school and mom like worked, you know? And so it was me and mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's such a different experience than what high school was for you guys. Yeah. Cause we were all together in the same house. And by that point, when you were going through high school stuff, yeah, Sarah and I were in college I'm gone yeah. in college okay. so I'd see you guys at summers and stuff but it was just a super like a very different mm-hmm. dynamic you know 
Wow. Yeah. You know, you've talked about some of that time, like you and mom spent together in those mm-hmm. and it just is very surreal. You know, what's funny is I actually remember, um, I think it was, it must've been so- freshman or maybe sophomore year and you and mom had moved from, mm-hmm. I think the subdivision to the, to the horse farm. And I will like had to call mom and be like, okay, I'm coming home for Thanksgiving. What's the address? Like I had never been wow, there. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's she, all this had happened while I was in school. Yeah. And so it was a very surreal feeling. That is weird. I, and yeah, I have to give that credit that that must have been really weird going to college. And then you left one house and you come back to a different one. Like that must have been really weird. Another thing that was probably really, really different is like you, if thinking about like the relationships we had when you were younger, you had like a front hand, like you saw Liz and I like kind of growing up and like figuring out dating. And we never really got to see you interact with like the partner mm-hmm. or partners that you had when you were in high school. Like we only kind of heard about it secondhand, yeah. which is interesting because I feel like yeah, we knew about your high school boyfriend, but we didn't really like know him because yeah. all this was happening while we were in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and if we like, we could open the photo albums. I'm in all of your homecoming pictures. You yeah, all took a picture with me. Yeah, before you went off to the dances, like oh, you know yeah. what I mean. And oh no, don't feel bad because also you guys came back to get ready with me so many times. Yeah, for dances and things like that. So I remember you, you, both of you really had a presence in like my life. And I really appreciated that because sometimes it was really hard being the only one. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine. Especially because our lives had changed so much kind of in that era of our lives yeah. where we lived, what our family dynamic looked like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were a lot more isolated. Yeah. And I didn't have, you couldn't walk to a friend's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that just didn't exist anymore. I think about it too is because when Liz and I were growing up, um, we're being so close in age and also being homeschooled at that time, we had a lot of friends in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had this similar friendship mm-hmm. group mm-hmm. that was kind of like an approximate age range. It wasn't like our exact friends. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, you had a completely different oh yeah group. And mine was very much you're friends with people in your grade. It was very I was friends with Rachel yeah. for a long time. We're still friends with her. Yeah. And she was a year ahead of me. And yeah. that was like unheard of. Yeah. That you'd be friends with someone that's older than you. How would you have like? How would you have made that? <laughs> like, well, that is something that I feel like almost lasts till college. Yeah. Because I remember high school specifically. If you were dating someone like a grade older, you were like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. But if you were dating dating someone a year younger, you were kind of like, oh my gosh, but like, why? Like, mm-hmm. that's so weird. And in college and after, it's like, oh, you and your partner have three-year age gap, five-year, 10-year, that's fine. That's cool. It's just a number. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, it is mm. when you're young. Yeah. I don't know if I totally, I still feel like when I was in college, you, it would be weird if you weren't dating someone in college. That's fair. Like, in, like, also mm-hmm. kind of doing that. Like, if I, I, I just in my friends and yeah. stuff like that, like, if they were dating someone who's like, oh, he's like an adult with a job, I'd be like, when do you hang out? Yeah. When do you see that? Like, yeah. I think that's more about at that point, maybe not the same age, but the same phase of your life, mm, right? So like, say it. unless you guys started, you know, yeah, you're in the same phase of your life, but then as an adult, that's why a large age gap doesn't seem that odd because you're in the same phase where you're like working and building your career and living your life. Mm-hmm. So whether you're 25 or 35, like you kind of, you know, in the you same can relate. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're going through similar experiences. Yeah. That's my theory. I'm not Obviously, you know, talking about birth orders was a fun conversation starter. And then, you know, you, you know, you go around to your friends and find out, you know, who's oldest and youngest and you razz them. 
Um, but one of the things we read about was that two partners who are both the oldest in the family will not be a good fit <laughs> because they're both used to taking charge and they're both used to getting their own way. Well, mm. I, think, uh, I read that youngest children are the most like amiable and easy to get along with in whether they're married to or partnering with a oldest, middle, or youngest. I feel like we just have to be very adaptable. Yeah. You kind of have to, I mean, I think about, yeah, the things I would learn about or talk about or pay attention to because you guys did. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I had to watch your TV shows because so I wasn't allowed to watch mine. <laughs> no, no, so, so I watched yours. <laughs> music or yeah. music. I listened to yours. Yeah. Um, oh, and another comment that I think is important to say is that I did a little bit of research and there have been some studies done about the actual science, like the science of birth order. Is there any uh, kind of merit to this? And the studies that I found really kind of showed that there's no statistical significance to the results of birth order, um, that it's actually much more dependent on just the age of the person, whether whether or not you're in your 20s or your 30s or your 40s, um, with kind of how you act and how you react to things. Oh, so interesting. birth order, but though, I mean, but I think this is a really compelling topic and something that a lot of people relate to. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there must be some truth to it, mm-hmm. but um, apparently not supported by science. <laughs> I think it's a fun theory. And I also think that it's one of those things that when it's true, we lean into it. I mean, yeah. how many times when something's going on that we're like, oh, Christine's solving problems. She's such a firstborn child. She's mm-hmm. the oldest, like she's asserting her dominance. Or like when Jenny walks into the room and everyone's like, oh my God, you look so cute. We're so glad you're here. It's like, she's the baby. Like yeah. we're all paying attention to you. Jenny, be quiet. <laughs> the loudest. Yeah, By we're the loudest. loudest. Wait, Jenny. Yeah. Did you? I had to I scream it. <laughs> I feel like we were very quiet children. Maybe we were oh, so quiet. In comparison. Yeah. In comparison. Very quiet. I don't know. You guys didn't have the opportunity to be loud, okay? When you could scream in a gym and hear an echo. Oh, what? it's not the same. It's not the same in your in your living room. <laughs> You're gonna act out. Okay, so, yeah. So for book club today, a book I just finished and I actually really enjoyed. It's a romance fiction called "If He Had Been with Me" by Laura Nowlin. It is about high school sweethearts, missed chances. Young love, very sweet. I cried at the end. Oh, but it was like a good cry. It was nice. I recommend it. That's good. If he had been with me, if he had been with me, I did another audiobook this week and I listened to, I didn't look at the author, but it's called The Quiet Tenant mm-hmm. and very frightening. I was glued to it, had to finish it, but there was a lot of. I don't even know, but like, I felt like when I was walking, I would like say things or like sigh or be like, oh my God, I have to turn it off. Like it was a very reactive. Yeah. Um, really, really good. I would say you got to have a strong stomach for it. There was some real dark themes, you know, maybe like a trigger warning for some people, mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed it. I had to finish it and uh, I had found it on my Goodreads list just randomly and then later found it on the one of the scariest books of the year oh my gosh and realized that that's why it was on my list but I had no idea that <laughs> it was like a regular thriller wow. would you consider it one of the scariest books you've read yeah really yeah wow and you read a lot of scary books yeah it was very dark don't yeah. read it that is my do not read list on goodreads glad you enjoyed it though I did I did it's kind of a fun 
you know, October, a little spooky mm -hmm. kind yeah. of thing. So this is a little bit of a sidebar, but if you're looking for a book to read during the Halloween season, Dracula is a super fun one to read. It's just very spooky, like original Dracula. This is like, there's no like romanticizing vampires. They're just bad, scary guys. It was, I would recommend that. Actually, I read a couple scary books recently. Um, I think I mentioned them in our last book club. One of them was Stephen King's book, Holly. And actually, because of that, I'm actually taking a break <laughs> from books because it, I feel like the last couple ones were just like so scary. I'm just taking a break. So, um, but I was thinking about someone on Facebook was asking like, what's your favorite book? And that made me think. So my favorite book, top 10 maybe, mm -hmm. is the book uh, Catch 22 by Joseph Heller. Um, it's a book that is, uh, you know, it's considered like one of those great books of all time. You should definitely read it. But it's set in Italy during World War II, and it's kind of um, funny and dark and um, introspective all at once. And I think that that is where the expression Catch-22 came from was this specific book. Like, it didn't exist. Oh, books, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> uh, we'll fact check. Okay, yeah, yeah, fact check that. I always thought that was cool. I got a kick out of it. So if you're looking for something to read, don't read. The Silent Tenant. <laughs> we enjoyed it. The Quiet Tenant. You like it. Well, read it if you're prepared. Read it yeah. with eyes wide open. <laughs> if you like scary things. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sisters of the Apocalypse. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. And don't forget, live like there's no tomorrow. Thanks for listening.